Well, hello, and thanks for listening in to our weekly teaching podcast here at City Church. We are a church in the Knoxville area that seeks to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you're in Knoxville or ever visiting Knoxville, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people here in the city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com slash give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can drop us a line at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. We've spent the better part of the past year getting this building ready, uh, raising some funds, as well as just getting some construction done to get this building ready for us to meet in uh, today. Um, And I'm not going to lie to you, there were at least a couple moments this past week where I thought it might not happen this Sunday. Uh, there were a couple moments where I thought after that like big triumphant announcement last Sunday, we were like, it's the last Sunday in Jackson Terminal, you guys. Th- this Sunday we were going to be like, one more Sunday in Jackson Terminal, let's go, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, you guys chipped in. I think we had, I- I'm not sure the numbers on this, Jeff can probably tell me if he's in here, but I think we had over 40 people at the building yesterday helping out with various projects, which is just incredible. You guys just showed up, helped us knock out a lot of stuff without which we might not be here today. And so I wanted to say thank you uh, to those of you that were able to come and help yesterday, but we are here and the building is done or at least done enough, right? Uh, done as far as you guys know. And so uh, we are excited to be here today. There's nothing like unsafe. I should probably mention that. All the things that are not done yet are totally safe. They just might not look as good as we want them to look eventually. Uh, but we're here and that's our first Sunday. I wanna tell you, uh, before we're done this morning, I wanna tell you just a little bit about how this came to be, how this building came to be uh, given to us. And so I'm gonna get to tell that story uh, towards the end. But for a bit first, Uh, What I'd love to do today is just talk a little bit about why we're excited about having a building. Because it probably is for some of the reasons that you'd think, and it, it probably at the same time isn't some of the reasons that you might think. So this morning, what I want us to do is just discuss what a building is and isn't. What a building is and isn't. Now, when I say that, I'm not trying to get like existential on you guys. I'm aware that you know what a building is. Um, Like it's, you know, concrete, some walls, some flooring, some plumbing, like that's what a building is. But what I mean specifically is that I want to talk a little bit about the significance of having a building, owning a building as a church. How should we as a church think about this building that we now possess? Now that we have this permanent space to meet in, what does that mean for City Church exactly? That's what I want us to discuss discuss this morning. Um, So here's how we're going to frame it up. Just give you an outline for where we're headed for the next little bit. I want us first to talk about two things that a building isn't, and then to talk about two things that a building is. Simple enough? Two things that a building isn't, and then two things that a building is. Now, real quickly before we jump into that, that does mean that today will be a little bit different than what we normally like to do on Sundays. If you're brand new around here, uh, what we like to do generally is get up here, kind of pick a passage from the Bible and just work our way through that passage little by little. Uh, That's what we generally do on Sundays, but I figure today being the momentous occasion that it is for our church, we can kind of break from our norm just a little bit to just kind of do some thinking, some critical thinking on how we should process this new reality for our church family. Sound good? So here's where we're headed. Two things that a building is not. First, a building is not 
a church. A building is not a church. Now, those of you that have been coming around our church for very long probably knew that that's where I was going at some point before we ended, right? Because it's a popular misconception. Here's what I mean. As you work your way through the scriptures, you'll notice that in the Old Testament in the Bible, there was a significant emphasis made on buildings and structures and physical environments as sort of being the epicenter for God's presence and God's activity on planet Earth. You had the tent and the tabernacle and the temple. People had these physical structures that they attended, that they went to in order to interact with God in substantial ways. That's how it worked in the Old Testament. And to be honest, many people still think that way about church buildings today. A lot of people do. So I grew up hearing things like, don't run in church, right? Don't wear hats in church. Don't cuss in church, All these different things, which I'll be honest, for me growing up led to me and my friends making a game out of how many of those rules we felt like we could break, right? And that's the way a lot of people think about church buildings. And and some of that is because the belief there, the belief at work is that this is a sacred space. This is, the building itself is sacred. And so we want to make sure that we treat it as sacred. Now, I'm not advocating for cussing in church or anything like that. But I don't think that's really reflective of how we should think about physical structures as followers of Jesus today. We are called to be holy, as in us, God's people are called to be holy. But that really doesn't have anything to do with running or not running or hats or no hats, right? And if you think you shouldn't cuss, then that really should apply to all of life. Like you don't get extra demerits for not cussing, for cussing in church, right? That, because this space itself is not sacred. These, these four walls that we're inside of are not sacred or holy in and of themselves. In fact, as you read through the New Testament in the Bible, what you'll find is there almost seems to be a dramatic de-emphasis on physical buildings and structures as the place where God dwells. You have the people of God meeting in public meeting spaces, open-air amphitheaters, people's homes, It seems like for God's people today, it's not really about the physical location that you're in anymore. When it comes to a relationship with God, the who now matters a lot more than the where. Does that make sense? In fact, on several occasions, the New Testament authors will actually employ the imagery of a physical structure to show us that the physical structure is no longer the point for followers of Jesus. I'll give you just a couple examples of this from the Bible. First, look with me at this from 1 Peter chapter two. We'll put it up on the screen. As you, meaning you and I together, all of us, God's people, come to him being Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, even if you're here this morning and you're brand new to church and you don't quite understand all the metaphors and word pictures that he's using in that passage, you can see very simply how he is illustrating that the physical structure is no longer the point for the people of God. Because in a sense, God's people have now become the physical structure. We have become the place where God dwells, not any particular building or facility. 
Look at another one with me. This is Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 and following. It says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, refers to us as a structure, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also, meaning the people of God, again, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So again, the point here is that God's people have now become the dwelling place of God himself, such that there is no longer a need for a space, for a building itself to be holy or sacred. So all of that to say, this building is not a church. It's a building, It's a place that our church happens to meet and worship Jesus in and to use for reaching our city in a variety of ways, but there is nothing inherently sacred about this building. This building was built out of the same materials that every other house and place of business and warehouse and bar here in Knoxville was built out of. There's nothing sacred about the space itself. The only difference between this space And those other spaces in our city is that the primary purpose of this space is to be inhabited by the people of God. The new structure, the new place where God dwells. But this building is not a church. Second, second thing that a building is not, it is not a sign that we've made it. It's not a sign that we've made it. You know, in church world and in the mind of many church people, I think. A church getting a permanent space is a sign that you've really made it as a church. You've arrived, right? You're finally legitimate. You're not amateurs anymore. I've literally had people show up to our gatherings at Jackson Terminal up until this point, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, hey, I really enjoyed everything. I can't wait to come back once you find your own space. And it's like, I hate to break it to them, but it's like, if you didn't like us now, you're probably not going to like us later, to be honest with you. But that's, that's how people think because it feels like until you have your own space that you can meet in all the time and you're not wheeling stuff in and out for load in and load out, it feels like you haven't made it yet until you have your own permanent space. That's just how it works in some people's minds. We will likely have people show up to our gatherings now who were never interested in attending before simply because in their mind, we're now legitimate. We're official now. We have a building. Now, Honestly, I could care less how people out there think about that sort of thing because there's nothing I can really do about that. I care way more about how we think about it in here. How do we think about this new phase that we're in as a church family? And here's why I care about that. Because one of the things that has been so ingrained into our church's culture from the very beginning of our church is that Sundays is something that we do together. It's just been very core to who we are for quite some time. Sundays is something that we do together. I can still remember, and I'm sure a lot of you guys do too, who have been around for a while, when we first announced that we were going to be meeting at Jackson Terminal. We had a a Christmas party and we announced to our church family, it's only about 25, 30 people big at that point. We said, hey, we're going to start meeting at Jackson Terminal. And it was such a big deal because we finally had a space to meet. 
But before we left that Christmas party, what we did is we had sign-up sheets for the various volunteer teams that we were going to need to put on our gatherings. And we just had them sitting near the door as people left. And we said, hey, just to be clear, when we say we're about to host Sunday gatherings, we don't mean that we as a staff are going to start putting on services for you guys. What we mean is we, all of us, are going to put on gatherings and host gatherings for our city. That's what we mean, because Sundays is something that we do together. And you guys rallied and signed up so that we could do that. I think we had every single person on our core team at that point in our church sign up to be a part of some Sunday-serving team. And to be honest, that mindset has been so integrated into our church culture from the beginning, such that even today, I think the number is about 81, 82% of city church members serve in some capacity at our Sunday gatherings. Just for you guys to know, in church world, that is like unheard of, that the percentage would be that high. It's unheard of. And that's not me, that's not me like tooting my own horn. I get paid to be here, right? I'm bragging on you guys. The fact that you guys chip in and see it as your responsibility to help us host our city on Sundays is an incredible part of our church culture. So up until this point, Sundays have always been something that we do together. We show up, we load in, we set up, and then we do our best to host anybody that walks through those doors. But something I've found out as I've talked to other pastors about this transition from our temporary space to our first permanent Space, as I've talked to other pastors who have sort of made that transition in the life of their church. What an awful lot of them have said is that this thing happens when a church moves in to their first permanent space, it's really easy for it to start feeling less and less like church is something that we do together, like Sundays are something that we do together. Because all of a sudden, it doesn't take as many people to pull Sundays off anymore. We've already got everything in here. We don't have to wheel anything in. We don't have to set anything up for the most part. And so it's just really easy for it to feel less and less like Sundays is something that we do together. And so what happens often when a church transitions from a temporary space to a permanent space is that people stop volunteering quite as much. People drop off the map as far as serving on Sundays and and they decide to take a little bit more of like a passive observer role on Sundays. Now, can I tell you that there are a few things that would make me sadder than if that happened to our church? Than if that part of our culture were to fade away? I would absolutely hate that. Instead, what I would love to see happen is that us having a permanent space simply frees us up to serve in new ways. That all of a sudden, People would think, okay, my efforts aren't needed on load-in team anymore, so let me hop in with city kids. Let me serve the families in our church. Okay, my efforts aren't needed tearing stuff down anymore, so let me hop in with hospitality team or production team. Let me look for new ways to serve because I know that Sundays are something that we do together, so let me find ways to do that in new ways, even if my role isn't needed anymore. I would love it if that is our mindset towards this new space, is to look for more ways to serve, rather than seeing it as, oh, we've arrived now as a church, so I can kind of sit back and enjoy. I'd love it if we could see it as, hey, we're just getting started. This is not the end, right? This is the beginning. So those are a couple things that a building isn't. Let's talk for a bit before we're done about a couple things that a building is. First, A building is a resource. A building is a resource. 
So a building is not sacred, but it absolutely is a tool, a resource to be used for the kingdom of God here in Knoxville. First off, it's a tool for our church family specifically. It's a resource for us. We get to use it for gatherings and for classes and for equipping our life group leaders and leaders in training, training people to read the Bible, training people to follow Jesus and make disciples. We now have a building that we can use throughout the week to make all of that possible in order to train people and equip people to be the people of God in our city. But I'll also tell you, it's not just limited to city church that gets to use this building. It's not just limited to us, not at all. South Knoxville Baptist will continue to meet here on Sunday evenings. Another new church getting started, Commonwealth Church, which a lot of you guys know about with Aaron Loy planting right here in South Knoxville. They're getting, our, they're getting their start here in our building. They're officing with us out of this space. We've got other people in our church family that are advancing the kingdom through professions in the technology sector, through clinical counseling in the future. We'd love to see this building used for campus ministries, nonprofits in our city. However we can use this building and however we can use it for the kingdom, that's what we want to do. And that's because our take is that this ultimately is not city church's building. It's God's building. He's the one that provided it for us. And so who are we to be stingy about it, right? So we want to see this building used for the kingdom as best we can. It's probably not the nicest space ever, but it is 46,000 square feet right on the river, super accessible to everything, right? It's, It's in an area of our city that is currently being developed like crazy. It's easy to get to. It's easy to find. And so our philosophy is how can this building be used to advance the kingdom of God, whatever that looks like? So if you have ideas for how we might use this building, let us know. I'm sure we can't say yes to everything, but we'd love to say yes to as many things as we can pull off if they advance the kingdom, because that's precisely what a building is. It's a resource. It's a tool to advance the kingdom of God in our city and around the world. Last thing that a building is, I really want us to spend a little bit of time on this one. What a building is, is it's a reminder It's a reminder, specifically for us, for City Church, this building is a reminder of God's provision, his care and attention for us as a young church family without a ton of money or resources at all. It's it's a reminder that God showed up and provided for us with exactly what we needed at exactly the right time. It's a sign that God has been with us and will continue to be with us until the end. So there's a somewhat obscure passage in the book of 1 Samuel, if you're familiar with your Old Testament, where Samuel, one of the leaders of the nation of Israel at the time, he has just led the Israelites through a season of difficulty and opposition in their story. And while this season that they were in was insanely difficult, he also, Samuel also sees God's hand and God's provision all over this season that they went through. He sees it also as a season of tremendous help and provision from God himself. And so as he passes through this particular area, reflecting on this reality that God has provided for the nation of Israel, what he does is he sets up this stone. It says he sets up, sets up this stone sort of like a monument or a statue of sorts. And it says that he named this monument his Ebenezer. 
Now, some of you are like, I've never heard that word used outside of Christmas stories. It is. It is used outside of Christmas stories. Samuel calls this stone, this monument that he sets up, an Ebenezer. The word Ebenezer in the Bible actually means stone of help, as in stone of God's help. And it says that Samuel called, called it this name, called it an Ebenezer as a way of commemorating, as a tangible reminder that, to quote his words, thus far the Lord has helped us. That's what that monument meant to him. It meant that thus far the Lord has helped us as his people. He's brought us through. He's provided for us. So here's my proposal for us. What if this building became an Ebenezer for us? Now, I could care less if you use that word or not, right? Like, feel free to let that one go. But what if this building became our Ebenezer? What if it became a reminder of what God is capable of, of who God is, of his provision and care and attention towards us? I mean, think about it this way. We would have never anticipated that we would own a building any building at all at this point in our young history as a church. Never would have anticipated that at all. Much less did we imagine that we would own a building that is just a mile away from where we used to meet, right in the area that we're trying to meet, in an area of our city that is being developed like crazy with precisely the demographic of people that we are actually very equipped to reach and have been reaching. And never would we have imagined that it would be given to us for free We would have never imagined any of that at this point in our young history as a church, and yet that's precisely what God did for us. If those things are not a sign that, quote, thus far the Lord has helped us, I don't know what is. So what if every time we drive by this building or look across the river at South Knoxville or grab a cup of coffee at Honeybee just a block away, what if every time we thought about this building, we thought to ourselves, thus far the Lord has helped us. I don't know about you, but I need reminders like that in my life. Like often, I for one am very prone to forget the ways that God provides. Very prone to doubt the ways that God's gonna provide in the future. I'm a very forgetful person, especially when it comes to the care and attention and provision and grace and mercy of God. So what if this building became a tangible way for us to fight against those tendencies, to forget who God is, to forget what he's capable of? The building is just a building. It's not that big of a deal. But at the same time, if it can be a reminder of who God is, not just to all of us corporately, but for us individually as well, I think that'd be a really powerful thing for us as people, for those of us that are prone to forget who God is and what he's capable of. So what if this building became a reminder to us? What if every time we saw this building, we thought to ourselves, God is with us. God has helped us. God has provided for us. God is good to us. I would love if that became a thing for our church family. And just in case you doubt the premise behind all of that, What I wanted to do before we're done this morning is just tell you a little bit of the story, if you haven't heard it yet, of how this building came to belong to us at City Church. Several years back, 
uh, when we were just getting started as a church, uh, Jeff, the other pastor at the time, and I got a phone call saying that Dr. Glenn Sullivan, the pastor of South Knoxville Baptist Church, wanted to meet with us. Now that to us sounded like we had done something wrong. That was our first guess, is that we messed up and did something wrong, and he wanted to talk to us. So we sat down, didn't have a clue what the meeting was about. We actually met just in this room that's just right up this short flight of steps in Pastor Sullivan's office. We sat down, and we just kind of were anxious about what was going to happen next. Once we were there, Dr. Sullivan proceeded to tell us a story about how when he was in seminary back in 1960, he set in on a series of lectures about church planting. If you're brand new to church, uh, church planting is the very weird phrase that church people use to talk about starting a church. I don't know why they don't call it church starting, but they call it church planting. So just for you to know, he set in on a series of lectures about church planting. But in 1960, he heard this series of lectures where this guy up in the front of the room suggested that if you're going to start a new church, the way that you should go about it is that you should take a group of people, 25 to 30 people, from one church that's a healthy church, that's got some healthy culture about it, you should take those 25 or so people, have them uproot their lives, get jobs in a new city, and start the church there. Just have them living as everyday type of missionaries. Let them build relationships with their coworkers and classmates and neighbors and friends. And that's how you should start a church. So Dr. Sullivan tells us all of this. And then he told us that his knee-jerk response to that lecture that he heard was, yeah, that'll never, ever work at all. So he had heard at this point through the grapevine a couple years ago when we sat down in his office. The reason that we were there is because he had heard that that is how we started our church. For those of you that have been around for a while, you've probably heard uh, that that is almost precisely how we started City Church. We had about 25 people who were all a part of a great church in Columbia, South Carolina, had them uproot their lives, move to Knoxville, get jobs, and just live as missionaries in the city of Knoxville. And Dr. Sullivan, the pastor at South Knoxville Baptist, had heard that that's the way we went about things. And so he wanted to meet us, I think in part, because in his mind, we were like a real-life unicorn, right? Like he didn't even think that was possible. Uh, And so he wanted to see if we were actually real people and had actually done it that way. So he wanted to meet with us, I think in part, for that reason. But the other reason that he wanted to meet with us is because at the time... South Knoxville was dwindling down attendance-wise and financially, and so he wanted to talk to us about what it would look like for us to continue their legacy and our legacy in this building, in this location. That was the purpose of the meeting. And I tell you that in the context of this teaching to say that it wouldn't be a stretch at all to say that God has been orchestrating this thing since 1960. Nearly 70 years ago, he put those words, those ideas in that seminary professor's heart. He put Dr. Sullivan there in that room to hear that lecture and then orchestrated the details in the years past that so that in 2016, Jeff and I and our church family would cross paths with Dr. Sullivan here in Knoxville and he would hear about what we're doing and want to see if we could figure something out between our two churches. Does God know what he's doing or what? 
if that's not an example of thus far the Lord has helped us, I don't know what is. And listen, because this is so important for what we're talking about today. If God set this plan into motion in 1960, or for all we know before, right? If he set this thing into motion way back then, he's not going to bail on any of us now. That's not who God is. So what if this building for all of us, whether you're a part of of City Church or South Knoxville Baptist Church or whoever you are in this room today, what if this building became an Ebenezer for all of us? What if we established this as a place to look when we doubt who God is or what he's capable of? When we doubt his provision and care for us I think all of us have times where we doubt some of those things and I'd love for all of this, everything that today kind of sums up to be a reminder for us to the contrary of who God is and what he can do. So what we're gonna do next before we're done today is just spend some time celebrating and thanking God for who he is, for his provision for us both individually and corporately, for his goodness towards us, his faithfulness towards us. And as we do all of that, I would love for you just to reflect on what we've talked about. As we do that, the offering baskets will be coming around. Um, If you want to give as part of our church family, you're welcome to do that. I I did want to just give the disclaimer before we're done. I know today is uh, our first Sunday in the building, and so it might be easy for you to hear me say, like, all right, give us all the money. We need to renovate this church now. Uh, that's not my goal at all. In fact, if you're brand new here, uh, we're not after your money at all. You can just pass the offering baskets on along to the next person. If you're part of our church family, uh, none of us wants to guilt you into giving anything. If you want to, you're certainly welcome to, but we feel confident that God's gonna provide. The, The only reason we ask you to give every week is to support ongoing ministry in this city. Whether that happens through this building or not, what we want to do is be a light to the people in Knoxville. And so you're invited to participate in giving as the offering baskets come by. And then lastly, uh, during the singing, we'll have an opportunity to take communion. We've got tables in the back. Um, If you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross, um, then we invite you to take communion as a reminder of that, as a celebration of who Jesus is. Um, So you're certainly invited to participate in that anytime during the next few songs. But let me pray for us, and then we'll respond in worship and thanksgiving. Father, you're so good. Um, God, I know a a lot of us in the room today are are very dialed into that, um, whether... Um, It's just because of the momentous day that this is for our church or a variety of other things. Um, Maybe we're just in a season uh, where we see your hand and your provision really clearly in our lives and in the lives of others. And so, um, God, if that's where we're at, I I want us to just take this opportunity today to, to give thanks for that, to celebrate that, to celebrate you for accomplishing all that. But God, I know that um, just because of the size of this room, there are also probably plenty of people here um, who are just in a place where it's very difficult to see your provision and your care and your attention and your grace. 
So God, for, for those that are in that place, I, I pray that um, something I've said today or something in these songs that we sing would, would spark an awareness of that. That maybe even if it's very difficult for them to see your care and your provision right now, that maybe they would see it in the past, that they would see it in the lives of others, and they would be able to celebrate that. And God, if nothing else, that they would be able to, to rejoice in knowing that you are who you are, even when you might not do things like we would do things. So God, I know that some of us have plenty of to celebrate today and some of us don't feel like we have hardly anything to celebrate. But God, regardless of where we're at on that spectrum, I pray that this morning would be an opportunity to remember who you are. God, that if, if we wouldn't be able to see anything else, we could see that you have provided in your son, Jesus. sent him on a rescue mission for us to seek and save that which was lost and God we were all lost so God thank you for your provision for our church family thank you for your provision through Jesus and God we ask that you would be with us as we sing and as we reflect on those realities this morning it's in your name we pray amen Thanks for listening. As many of you guys know, we are in the process of renovating and moving into a historic church building located on the Tennessee River right in the heart of Knoxville. If you regularly benefit from this podcast, we would love to extend the invite to you to consider giving to those renovations. If you're interested in finding out more, head to citychurchknox.com slash building.